I'm Commander Shepard, and Geek Rex is my favorite website on the Citadel. Hey everybody, it's Kyle, and this is episode 28 of the Geek Rex podcast, a special All Hallows Eve edition where we get a rundown from Shane about his experience at Halloween Horror Nights. Full spoilers are go here, but then again, it only lasts for like a couple of weeks anyway, so you probably won't see it if you're not going anyway. Um, then uh, Harper talks a little bit about Carrie. Uh, which he went and saw and gives his thoughts on that remake that uh, was probably the only Halloween movie to come out this year, at least during the Halloween time frame. And I talk about Arkham Origins, which I've been playing for the past couple weeks, and give you my thoughts there. And then we run down news and comics and all the stuff we normally do. You can find all of our thoughts and opinions on all things geek at geekrex.com. Follow us on Twitter at geek underscore rex and like us on Facebook. Happy Halloween, everyone! How did I know that's how you were going to start? Uh, no, I'm awful. I, I just I, I wanted to have like a funny start, and it it wasn't funny at all. But it is Halloween week, scary ghouls and goblins, and uh, we've we've all kind of had some some fun, scary things we've gotten a chance to do over the past weekend. None as fun as Shane's, uh, I have to say. <laughs> but uh, we've all kind of got into the spirit a little bit here and there. Uh, but uh, had a nice big party over the weekend that was really nice. Had about 25 people over and uh, played games like Werewolf and uh, talked comic books, which is exactly what we do on this show. <laughs> so really, uh, that's pretty much all I ever do, it seems, anymore. But... Did y'all play the time more? What's the, Oh, no, we didn't. Matter of fact, um, I, I put on Spotify on the stereo at the party, and I we were going to put... We put on the Nightmare Before Christmas soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Always a classic. And then uh, I was like, you know what? This this is just not party music. So I turned around and put on the 80s radio on Spotify. <laughs> Oh, they didn't have like a Halloween radio or something. You know what? I couldn't find it. I know there's. I'm, I know there's. There's a Halloween you know playlist that that floats around. There. You got to play the Time Warp if you're having a Halloween party. I know. <laughs> I know the Time Warp and uh, you know Sweet Transvestite and all those uh, very good uh, Rocky Horror songs. There's probably some other like Thriller. You know, you can play all those tunes like mm-hmm. that. But yeah. I just. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I somehow Guns N' Roses and uh, Van Halen won out uh, at my party. <laughs> That's what you get when you keep me next to the stereo the whole time. Anyway, Shane had his fun trip in Orlando with his brother and their buddies, and it sounded really cool. And I saw a lot of pictures, and I was really jealous that I could not go. Uh, but it sounded like a really good time. Did you have fun, Shane? It was awesome. I'm still exhausted, but it was awesome. Nice. So, wait, you guys went, what, Halloween Horror Nights in Orlando, Universal Mm -hmm. Orlando, and did you go one night, two nights? Uh, We did two nights. We did Friday the 25th and Saturday the 26th. Wow, that is pretty crazy. So, did you, was it one of these things where you you did all the rides in one night, or did you split them up? Um, We kind of just, the first night, we... Since we had two nights, we were kind of just like, okay, well, the second night we'll reserve for whatever we can't get to today. 
So our first night was more kind of a let's try and get in as much as we can night. Um, we uh, we realized quickly that uh, waiting for haunted houses um, killed most of our time. Uh, so it was kind of just a matter. And it was what was really amazing to see was the haunted houses. Those wait times could get up to 90, 100 minutes. Yeah. Um, the rides never exceeded 30 minutes, the waits for those. Um, so, like, we would do, like, two haunted houses, then a ride. And then I think we did, like, two rides in a row just because the mummy and Transformers are, like, right next to each other. So we did both of those. And we we rode pretty much everything, and we did every single haunted house. Um, and we packed most of them into that first night. And then on the second night, that was just forgetting the last two haunted houses we hadn't done. And then going back and doing whichever haunted houses we thought were fantastic. So, so, so. all the rides are open at the same time? Um E.T. was not because the line for the Walking Dead Haunted House went through E.T.'s queue. And then um, E.T. might have been the only major ride that people like would genuinely be interested in that wasn't open. Wow, okay. Well, I mean, E.T. has been around for... <laughs> Since the right. park opened. It's pretty much the only... It's pretty much that and the Terminator show are pretty much the only things left from when the park first opened. Actually, the Terminator show wasn't around when the park opened either. Well, there you go. E.T. is the only thing. I, I, I was there when the park opened. Uh, matter of fact, I remember I rode King Kong, and it broke down while we ri- rode it. <laughs> and the King Kong is long gone, of course. Um, yes. But uh, but the crappy ride they replaced it with is somehow still wait, there. Wait, was that the mummy? No, Disaster. Oh, well, maybe so. So uh, Disaster would be what Earthquake used oh, to be. I remember Earthquake. And then, uh, yeah, the mummy became Earthquakes, and the mummy's a really fun ride. Yeah, I, so does that, I guess that means Jaws <laughs> is gone, too. Yes, it is because they were building the new Harry Potter area while we were there. And Jaws is gone. That that thing was the ho- most hilarious ride at uh, Universal. I I remember we would be on the boats and the uh, board staff at some point would be like, "Well, here's the shark. Good thing I have my anti-shark gun." <laughs> you know, it's it's a fun yeah. ride. But I, I well, I'm glad it. I'm glad you you had a good time. So all right. Give me the rundown here um, okay. in terms of what you went into first and tell okay. me a little in detail what these things are like. I've never been to this before. I've always wanted to go, and I've always been super jealous of everyone that can go. So I, I want to live the vicarious experience here. Okay. So are you wanting full spoilers on these houses, or are you just wanting like my general oh, thoughts on Oh, screw it. Give us spoilers. This thing's going to be over in like a week. <laughs> so if, 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 sure, right. <laughs> if you don't go in a week, you ain't going. So... All right, so um, the first thing we did was Cabin in the Woods, because that is the very first thing you come to in the park. Um, The first night we were there, when we first got in, the wait for Cabin in the Woods was only 25 minutes, so of course we jumped at that. Um, The rest of the time we were there, I did not see that wait lower than 70 minutes for Cabin in the Woods. And it's probably just because it's right at the front, so it's the first one everybody sees. Um I'll go ahead and say I gave that, I'll, I'll give that, I'm going to do my grading scale, to kind of like what I do for the splash page, and I'll say that I give that an A+. It was amazing. Um, if you love the movie, and really there's no way I don't see how you could see that, uh, go through that maze and not understand what's going on if you haven't seen the movie. But if you love the movie, you will absolutely adore this maze. Now, this is my first trip to Halloween Horror Nights, so I had no idea what to expect from any of these haunted houses, I had no pre-conceptions going in of what to expect in terms of detail, in terms of acting, in terms of scares. So I'm not like a lot of people who go to this event every year, and you can maybe trust their opinion just a little bit more, but 
So mine have most of these have pretty high grades for me. So Cabin in the Woods was an A plus for me. It's it's fantastic. You go through the whole setup is it of it is that you are a person who's been hired at the facility to kind of just work there and you're supposed to go fix one of the cameras that's broken. And while you're there, the Buckners are going after the uh, sacrifices who are in the cabin, and then also the uh, it, the movie unfolds pretty much as you're going through it, and the uh, monsters start to break out into the facility. So pretty much everything from the maze uh, from the movies there. So it looks like I think this is what blew me blew me away the most from the entire trip is the level of detail Universal puts into these mazes yeah. is astounding. Um, it felt like I was actually in cabin in the woods um except for one thing they had you step up into the house on the front porch so because of that there was a very large handicapped ramp to the side of the cabin (laughs) so that was one small detail that was not like the movie but other than that it was it was awesome you go through the cabin you see the buckners people getting killed there's the dude with the bear trap in his back you see the wolf on the wall then you go through the basement and all the little objects are in there um especially the uh, spherical object that the pinhead-like character holds. And then you move into the facility itself, and you get to see the elevators. So you see the sugar plum fairy, the girl with the ballerina with the teeth for the face. You see the pinhead guy. Um, You go through the control room, and the merman's in there, and the scarecrow people are in there. And the second time around, we went in there looking for just the details from the movie. And in the control room, there was the board with all the monster names on it and who would bet on which monster. And there was also the things that they would pull down whenever somebody would get killed in Cabin in the Woods. So that was pretty awesome. And um, there were the doctors were in there. Um, My brother is a huge fan of this movie. Like, I love it. But my brother takes fandom for this movie to a completely other level. He he knows everything there is to know about this movie. He bought the little behind-the-scenes book for, like, 30 bucks. And he knows who all these characters are and everything. Um, you get to see the elevators, and there's blood everywhere, and the clown comes popping out of the elevator, so that was probably the scariest part of that <laughs> maze. Um, a witch pops out as well. There's also zombies. Um, there's the people that look like the strangers type of killers. Um, pretty much everything. I'd say the only major monsters from the movie that were not in it were the unicorn, the werewolf and like the giant snake and stuff mm, well they, they're the werewolf may, may have been appropriated elsewhere but uh yeah. right uh. right but uh <laughs> but the werewolf plays such a big part in the final moments yeah yeah sure so so these are um, all people these weren't animatronics these were people dressed up monsters, um, right? the only things that were the only thing that was animatronic in that maze was the merman oh wow that's that's really scary by the way yeah. <laughs> i find that <laughs> And it kind of just sat there. It didn't really do anything. It just sat there and made a noise, and it sprayed water. No, 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 not not the merman. The idea that these are people dressed up, you know, that's that's far, yeah. that's far more frightening to me. Uh, makeup <laughs> and everything, everything else. Um, so, uh, did Kevin show up? Uh, his name was written on but a there wall. There was still no Kevin. Damn it! No, it just said Kevin on a wall. <laughs> in Does your brother know which one Kevin is? By the way. He said Kevin is described as looking like a Best Buy employee, apparently. Uh-huh. And then, like, he just kills people. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, his, his name was written on a wall. Okay, there. got it. And the only, the only name I remember, uh, the, monst- the board with all the monsters' names pretty much looked like it did in the movie, but the only one that sticks out in my head was seeing Sexy Witches written there. 
Oh, wow. Um, so, okay. So, in terms of, like, how the thing, like, is lined up. So, when, you're, when mm-hmm. you get into the ride itself... Is this one of the one of the cases where you're in like a big long like like forty five minute long line to get in and then you're like staying in that same line to go through or do they stagger you? Yes. Uh, no, they don't stagger you. You you are in the same line going through. Got it. Got it. All right. So it literally is. Yeah, because they got to get people through there as quickly as possible. So the lines actually move pretty quickly. Um. So the wait times aren't usually as bad as they say they uh-huh. are. Um. But yeah. That you're walking in one continuous line through the haunted house. Do, do the monsters like like do they like try to do jump scares at you and stuff or? Uh yeah, and sometimes it works. Like sometimes you're right on top of the scares, and then sometimes you're ahead of them. So like somebody behind you will get jumped out at, and sometimes you're behind the scares, so you'll see them jumping out and then kind of getting set up for the next group. But it's still it's still really fun. Even when those moments happen, sure. I, at our haunted houses around here, they always aim for the girls. You know, it's it's always tough. Uh, that happened a little bit here, but there were a few times where they, more than a few times, where they legitimately got me, my brother, and our other male friend that was with oh, that's us. So funny! Wow. Um, well, that, that I'm, I'm glad that one was very good because I feel like that one had like the best potential to be of interest. Yeah. You know? So how, how how does it end? Um, you just kind of walk through some. Uh, you know how it kind of that scene where the shows all the different boxes. Um, that's pretty much how it ends. You walk by a row of just another box, a bunch of boxes and oh, stuff. I see. I see. I'm glad the clown was in there. Yeah, I was not. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody needs more scary clown in their life. I think. Um, uh, the first time we went through it, it was timed perfectly, where the elevator dinged and the clown came out right next to me <laughs> as we were walking by. <laughs> And I was just like pushing my brother forward. I was like, "Nope, nope, we're going. Nope, keep going." <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, well, that 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 one sounds like a lot of fun. I, that that almost sounds like it's worth the price of admission itself. How long did it last to get through the whole ride? Uh, it takes about three, three and a half wow. minutes. God, waiting an hour to get in three and a half minutes. But it's so yeah. worth it. The second like you go through it, you forget that you waited that long to go that's through true. it. With that one, yeah. at least. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> that's a bad sign. Um. So, uh, well, really, there's only two that were kind of iffy for me. Um, The uh, second one we went through was The Evil Dead, which is based on the remake of the movie, which I did get to a chance to see right before the trip. Um, Pretty much Evil Dead is just uh, you go through the same cabin five times through all the various turns and things, and that one's also just a recreation of the complete plot of the movie. Um, involves a lot of girls jumping out and screaming bloody murder. I don't know how these girls keep their voices after just one night of working in this maze. <laughs> but um, you would think the Evil Dead wouldn't be that scary, but I have to say it was our second maze to go through, and I think that one genuinely terrified me more than anything I have ever been through like locally, any local haunted house. Like I don't know what it was about Evil Dead, but something about that house genuinely terrified me, and it was... It was really well done. Um, I think the fact that you keep going through, back and forth through the cabin in different ways, like you'd go in one scene of the cabin, then go through the woods a little bit, then you'd be in the cabin again, and you'd see the same room several times, but different things would be happening each time. And I think that helped to add to kind of this uh, confusion in it and all this feeling lost, even though there is a a linear path you're following. And the makeup was fantastic in it once the uh, people are becoming possessed and all that. And it was, it was just 
a genuinely terrifying experience. I'd give it an A. It's not a fully A plus as much as Cabin in the Woods and as much as a certain other haunted house that we did, but it's definitely A material. That's that that's awesome. It's like one of Harper's favorite movies this year, wasn't it? Yeah, I did really enjoy it. I, I don't know if I'd say it was one of my favorites, but uh, might be my favorite horror movie for ah, sure. Yeah. For sure. Uh, I will say a certain scene with, uh, involving trees was not was probably the least well done out of every moment that's in that movie. Oh wait, oh, wait, 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 wait! The tree scene in the movie or the tree scene on the in the attraction? Uh, the tree scene in the attraction. Oh, okay, got it. It's pretty much just a girl tied uh, up in some uh, vines. Was all it was. Well, that's um, that's a very uh, delicate subject matter. Uh, the tree yeah. thing. <laughs> So, and that was really the only maze this year that had somebody with a chainsaw towards the end of it. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, you know it's funny. It seems like Evil Dead and Cabin in the Woods kind of like hinge on similar stuff a little bit, right? Uh, and they do a good job of making them different. You do go through the front of the cabin for the Evil Dead house, but that's how it ends. So it's not like you're. It, it didn't feel the same at all. They felt like two completely different experiences. That's good to know. That's good to know. Um, so with, there was obviously a girl inside the the basement with the. Uh, they're supposed to be, but she was not in there when we what? walked through. Yeah, they're supposed to be like they. I, we saw the thing held open, the basement held open, and the chains and everything, but there was not a girl in oh, there. Oh, that's bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> I think we just caught it at a wrong I'm time. Pissed. It's like it's like going to the zoo and not seeing the lions or something. You know. <laughs> All right, so um, the next one we went through was, uh, I think the next one we did was Walking Dead. Um, I will say I felt the Walking Dead maze. It recreated season three, so we went through Woodbury and then the prison. Um, I would say, like the show, the Walking Dead maze looked fantastic. The design (laughs) of it was really well done. Maze itself, in terms of scares, no. Not not so much. And and that's saying a lot. What? Did people just argue with you about who should lead the group, and that was what it was scary about it? <laughs> it's really um, like annoying. No, 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 not like not that much. Yeah. On the show. <laughs> um, it was just it, it was the same scare over and over. It was a zombie, and they had a sound effect for the zombies, and the sound effect sounded closer to like a puma or some kind of wild cat <laughs> than a zombie. So like you'd turn a corner and see a zombie, and he'd come out and he'd make like this rawr, rawr noise and stuff like that, and it's like what the hell. Like that's zombies on the show don't even make that oh, that's noise. So funny, wow! And so, I mean, the sets were awesome. Like it looked exactly like the show. You got to see the basement of the prison with the phone ringing and uh, Lori's dead body. Um, and the cell block was really well done. It's just, it was kind of meh, pretty much like the show. Uh, <laughs> I, I I gave that one a C plus just because I was very impressed with the sets for that one. Um, and it did startle me once. Like the very first time you hear that puma noise, it's startling. But after that, it's pretty. It gets annoying. I felt like that would probably be the one that'd be the most crowded. Uh, yes, it was. It always had. Uh, if Cabin in the Woods didn't have the longest wait times, it would always be Walking Dead that had the longest wait Interesting. times. Interesting, man. That's. Uh, I, did did the zombie makeup at least look good? Yeah, it was decent. Yeah. Okay. But well, they've done better on the I show. Mean, it wasn't Dawn of the uh-huh. Dead Romero gray zombie people. I mean. Okay. No. no, it was, I mean, it looked like zombies from the show, but it's just not as great as some things we've seen on the show. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so, and in terms of Walking Dead as well, all of the scare zones, these areas in the park you could walk through and people were supposed to be there to scare you, uh, those were all themed to the Walking Dead okay. as well. So there was like an area with a tank that was supposed to be downtown Atlanta, and there's an area with Herschel's barn. Um, I gave those a D. 
because uh, they were not that great. Um, I gotta tell you, if you don't like the Walking Dead theme, you do not need to go to a horror event that's doing the Walking Dead, because I think I've heard that song more times now than I've heard any other song in my entire life. Um, and that song is not very long either, the Walking Dead theme song, and it just plays over and over and over. Like And it, it was, oh, it was awful. Um, but the, the scare zones, I mean... Each scare zone we go through, I mean, it's it's a pretty crowded park on Friday and Saturday nights. And the scare zones just, there'd maybe be ten actors at the most at one point. Through Sometimes I'd only see three actors as we'd walk through one, and they were just not that great. Um, the detail wasn't as great as they are in the haunted houses. Uh, I think the only scare zone that looked inventive was one that was based on the episode from season three called Clear, okay. uh, where Rick goes back home. Um, and it had a bunch of zombies with poles sticking through them, and that was pretty much the most inventive of all of did, them. So, did the zombies have to like keep their distance from you? I mean, no, they got right up in people. Oh, places. nice. That's 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 good. I I'd be a little scared of that. Um, you know, like uh, the. I didn't know if like at the attractions and in the scare zones if there was like a zone where the things were. I don't know. They they get uncomfortably close oh, to you. Oh, very nice. That's that's pretty good. I I'd, I'd, I'd be into that. I mean, it, I guess it depends <laughs> on what your constitution is for 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 fear and stuff. But having right. having some zombie dude up in my face that might make me a little unnerved. <laughs> I mean, it terrified a quite a few people. But I don't know. I was just very disappointed in them. I thought they could have done something a bit more inventive than just Walking Dead everywhere. Did you hear a lot of like screams um, and stuff though? Oh yeah. Oh good. <laughs> that helps. <laughs> Um, the next one we went through was an original maid called, maze called La Llorona. Uh, it's based on an urban legend about this Mexican ghost lady who uh, had drowned her children, and she can't get let into heaven until she finds her children, so her ghost has to wander the earth looking for her children. Um, basically, this was another maze where girls would pop out and scream bloody murder at you. Um, the sets were very well done. Um, it has a great atmosphere, and there are certain scenes in this one, like a church scene where you're walking through and there's all these people on benches and you don't know who's real and who's Ooh. not. Uh, so that was pretty creepy. Scenes like that were very well done. Um, there were certain scenes with like fog techniques and thing like things like that and water techniques that were done really well. Um, so there were a lot of things technically that were done very well. In terms of scares, I don't know how inventive La Llorona was, but I gave it a B just because it was uh, it was an enjoyable experience and it startled me more than The Walking Dead mm. did. Yeah, ghost stories. You know, it's funny that character showed up in Batwoman. Uh, yeah, I was thinking the same. The thing. Weeping Woman. They, they. Uh, yes, that's what La Llorona is. Yeah, for. and she's a, a Batwoman villain that's kind of, kind of in uh, took over the almost the entirety of the J.H. Williams arc, which is sort of funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. Yeah, the whole to drown the world and stuff like that. That's uh, it's all about her. That's 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 cool. Um, I'm glad they do original stuff, man. That's. It's not yeah. all licensed. They, they had three original houses this year, and uh, the second one was the next one we went through, which was called Havoc Un, uh, Derailed. Um, it was basically the it was apparently a sequel to a house they did a few okay. years ago, and it's about these super soldiers, and they were on a train, and then they attacked the people on the train, and the train derails. Um, it was decent. Uh, all the monsters, like much like The Walking Dead and much like La Llorona, all the monsters looked the same because it's just people with shaved heads grunting at you the whole time. Um, so the monsters aren't very good in that maze. Uh, I still gave it a, I gave it a B-minus, though, because 
I think the train effects looked really cool. Like if you looked above you, they the way they had the lights going, it looked like you were in a train that was moving. And uh, this one had a few general st- um, startle moments for me, but none of them came from actors. They came from other things they had in there. So like if somebody popped out with a machine gun and they acted like they were firing at you, they would have things in the side of the wall that like blew puffs of air at you that felt like a machine gun blast. So those were genuinely startling. And um, I don't know. That one was another one where the sets far outweighed the scares, but it was it was decent. I know a lot of people consider Havoc the worst maze, but I it was it was middle of the road. Sure. For me. I mean, it, it's it's kind of got a uh, more straightforward, like almost less horror-y sounding concept. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Um, so, but I mean, I guess it's a nice change of pace too. If you're looking for something that's a little less monster, monster, monster. Uh, yeah, right. that's uh, did that. The train effects sound interesting, at least. Yeah, and they were they were interesting enough going through. But then, other than that, that's pretty much the biggest thing of note to take I from gotcha. it. Um, it definitely is not the most memorable maze. Yeah, sure. sure. Um, the last one we did on the first night was Resident Evil, uh, based on the video games one and two. Uh, so not based on the movies. Um, this one, I wouldn't say, has a ton of actual scares, but the detail in it is fantastic. Uh, my brother and the uh, other guy we were with, they're both huge fans of the video games, so they were going nuts seeing all the little Easter eggs and stuff, like little ammo boxes that were from the game, and like seeing like this blue potted plant that I guess has something to do with uh, Resident Evil. And like they got all excited when they saw a typewriter in the corner with a spotlight on it. So that like, my brother's like, "Oh, I gotta go save the that's game." That's funny. Oh, that's um, awesome. Um, but there was it's pretty much just another zombie house, except sometimes you saw people shooting at the zombies. So like uh, Leon and then this uh, girl with Jill Valentine were both in it. Um, and then the nemesis was in it, and the liquors. Cool. And there was some giant zombie that I didn't know from the games that jumped out at us that I had no idea what it was. It was some kind of puppet that was frightening mostly because of how big it was oh um yeah, and then there, the dogs were also in it as well nice. oh so wait, wait 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 the dogs were animatronics right no they were just kind of the dogs were very disappointing they were just dolls that were oh, there that sucks. <laughs> and they played barking sounds around really them. Oh. um yeah <laughs> oh that blows um then uh, it had one room where the game was paused, so it said game paused, and there'd be like a zombie in there, and every now and then it would go back towards Leon, who was on the side of the wall, so like it would look like the game had been paused. Mm-hmm. And then also the game had a nice little touch where it ended with a, the You're Dead scroll. Oh, nice. Oh, that's cool. That's awesome. I, it's, I, I was wondering for a second, it's like, why would you have a Resident Evil uh, you know, house at the same time you have uh, Walking Dead stuff everywhere? No, it was. It felt completely different than Walking Dead. Uh, the monsters were a little similar, just because it was zombies. But uh, it, it felt completely different. And it, they did the best they could to make it feel like a video game instead of something more similar to the Walking. Yeah, Dead. I would have. I don't know, man. Since it's such a, such a, a Japanese staple, I would have had made it set in like in Tokyo or something. Even though Raccoon City, it's <laughs> Raccoon City, but it would. Like, yeah, it's called Escape from Ra- Re- Resident Evil. Escape from Raccoon. Would have been City. cool if it was all with like Asian actors and stuff to sort of replicate that feeling because that's always to me Resident Evil's always kind of felt like an inherently Asian game um, compared <laughs> to like The Walking Dead, which is inherently you know American. Um, but, uh, that's, that, that sounds fun. So was the liquor dressed up as, was it like a person? Uh, it was like a puppet kind of thing. And the first night we went through, the tongue wasn't moving at all, but we enjoyed the maze enough to go through it again. We went through it the next day and those, t- the tongues were moving and so it made it extra creepy. Oh, cool. That's, that's. And there was like one that had its head sticking through a hole in the wall and we didn't, weren't sure if it was supposed to like spit at you or what, but it kind of just 
looked at us the entire time. It never did anything. I, I, I noticed that you have not mentioned, and you've gone through Cabin in the Woods and Resident Evil, and there's no, there's mm-hmm. been no mention of a giant spider yet. Uh, no, no what spider. What the fuck, man? That's like <laughs> a staple of both of those things. Um, I would, damn, they, they really should have had a giant spider in Resident Evil. Come on. They had some things from Cabin in the Woods that you could tell were used props from other houses. Like, there was something that was, you could tell was supposed to be from, like, The Thing, whenever they did a house based on The right. Thing in Cabin in the Woods. But other than that, no. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, then uh, the second night, we only had two more left to pick up. And so we did American Werewolf in London, okay. which I think ties with Cabin in the Woods as the best house. It was amazing. Okay. Um, it was an A-plus house for me. Um, it... Uh, uh, I saw the movie for the first time right before we left to go on the trip, and it, it's another one that follows the plot of the movie exactly to the point where it ends with that really ridiculous song at the very <laughs> end. Um, yeah, and uh, it's it's great. It has the transformation scene that made that movie so notable. Uh, the TARDIS is in there that everybody's freaking out about, um, which was a ex- little extra Easter egg. It has the Nazi werewolves. It has everything, and the wolves in this are puppets. The werewolf is... But it is the most frightening puppet I've ever seen in my entire life. And it was, there were points where it was genuinely scary. And it's just, it was an amazing recreation of that movie. And it was, it was just a really fun maze to go through. We, we were actually able to walk right up to that one. It said 15 minutes was the wait time. But we were able to walk all the way through the line and all the way up to the haunted house and walk through it. And when we finished it, we enjoyed it so much, we went ahead and j- just walked right up to it again. And so we did it twice in a row. Wow. Um, that's, that, that sounds amazing. I heard that uh, John Landis actually had uh, something to do with that ride. He did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, John Landis helped out quite a bit with that. And then Drew Goddard helped out quite a bit with the Cabin in the Woods maze. And then those two ended up being the best wow. ones. So That's that's awesome. Um, well, I mean, I guess it would make sense, though, in terms of bringing on the main filmmaker to come in and uh, help design it. Um that's yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, I, I I did appreciate that TARDIS mention, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yes, there was a blue police box that somebody because you know uh, the climax of the movie is the that whole chaos in Piccadilly Circle and all that with the werewolf, and uh, so you see all the buses crashed and all the stuff everywhere, and there's a guy with a whistle that would pop out from behind the TARDIS and warning you that was a werewolf ahead and things like uh, that. That makes me want to watch both Cabin in the Woods and American and Werewolf in London again. <laughs> yeah, They're both great sure. movies. Those, those, those movies are badass, man. Um, but, uh, well, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that one worked out really well, because it's funny, that's, that's such an old concept to turn into uh, turn into like a... Mm-hmm. Uh, Apparently it's one they've been wanting to do for a while. Really? Um, yeah, and Universal owns the rights to it, so I mean, it makes sense that they would eventually do yeah, it. Yeah, sure. But it, I would not complain at all. I know they probably won't, but I would not complain at all if American Werewolf in London, they just did that exact same house again next year because it was, it was so good. Like, it would, be, it would almost be worth my money to go back for one more night just to do Cabin in the Woods and American Werewolf in London over and over again. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, it, that, those, those, those were the ones that I thought were the most interesting when I looked at the lineup of all of them. Um, that's, I heard the transformation scene was especially good. I mean, it looks exactly like the movie. crazy. How the hell do they do that? It was some dude, like, it was one of those effects where, like, somebody's head is sticking out uh, in the floor, and so the dude's, like, making all these groaning faces and stuff, and then they had an animatronic of his limbs being stretched out. That's so crazy. Man! Ah! I'm so glad they do stuff like that. Well, I mean, I just, you know, it's just neat to see them shake it up. I mean, because... 
I mean, they, you could do Saw all day long or something. They go mm-hmm. for something that you know most kids have not seen. And it like might might yeah. you know. Well, I mean, you could say that with Cabin in the Woods too. They're doing something most people probably haven't seen. So. Uh, yeah, well, I'm just something more recent. Like that Cabin in the Woods is a little more recent. Yeah. American Werewolf in London I means 1981, I think. Yeah, it's an yeah, 80s movie. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just awesome to see them do do that. That's that's great. And it was oh, it that's was awesome. So cool. um, and then uh, the last one we did was Afterlife: Death's Vengeance. It's a 3D maze, uh, which apparently 3D to Universal Studios means putting on these ridiculous glasses and then shoving. Uh, neon lights and glow sticks in your face. <laughs> um, it was basically this idea of a serial killer who gets executed and then you follow him into the afterlife as he gets tortured by his victims. Okay. Um, there were some creepy moments and there were some creepy puppets and stuff. There were these creepy like demon-looking puppets that looked fantastic. Um, and it was very disorienting when you had the 3D glasses on, but I, I gave that one a C-plus as well just because it was an interesting concept, but I felt like once the concept... like. In practice, the concept kind of just fell apart. Right. Um, yeah, they, something about like a 3D type ride seems pretty inherently. Boring. And they do it every year. They do one 3D maze, but the 3D mazes always get the most complaints. <laughs> well, it's probably the easiest to put on. You know, it's like it requires the least amount of like practical um, set building, I guess. I guess, but it was just, it was, I don't know. It. I, I want to say I enjoyed Walking Dead slightly more than that, so I'd say I would say Afterlife was the worst maze for me. So. Oh, rough. Well, uh, I guess you know what to avoid. Next but I mean, year. I mean, two mazes out of eight that were bad—that's not that bad. That means six of them were yeah, good. Yeah, sure, so. sure. That's that—that's really good. It, I mean, it sounded like you got a pretty—you got, you got your money's worth. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I think Cabin in the Woods and American World in London made it money, make the money's worth. So. Yeah, sure. And, and plus, you had to ride some of the extra rides too. I mean, the Mummy, yep. which I I love that ride. Uh, yeah, and the new Transformers ride is really what's, good. Too. What's that? It's exactly like the Spider-Man ride, but on a much bigger scale since it's Transformers. That's nuts, man! I didn't even know they had one. Uh, so Harper, now I know you did a little Halloween in yourself. Uh, was it yesterday, day before yesterday? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah yesterday. you saw Carrie, uh, which I never got a chance to see. I mean, I, I've seen the original, um, but I, my interest in seeing the remake was hinged on reviews, and reviews weren't so hot. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. You, you t- tell me what you, you saw. Carrie was it something you were excited about? Um, not, I wasn't like super excited about it, but I always like to try and see at least one horror movie around Halloween just cause I'm, you know, obsessively in the mood for that kind of thing. I've been watching stuff all, all month at home. Um, and this was really the only thing to come out this month, um, along those lines. Um, it was okay. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's, it's worth going out and checking out. Um, maybe, maybe seeing, uh, you know, renting it later or something. Um, and my, my main uh, issue with it was that I didn't think uh, Chloe uh, Moretz. What's her? What's her third? Chloe, her Chloe Grace Moretz. Yeah, Chloe Grace. Uh, I, she was terrible. She was really bad. Um, and it's it's a shame because the rest of the cast was surprisingly pretty good. Um, and it, even though the rest of it was was people I wasn't really familiar with. Um, 
she her whole performance just kind of dripped of like you know green screen action it's, it, she just looked like she was making up stuff and they were like oh don't worry about it we'll, we'll add in the fire and the blood and everything later on you know it, it felt very like you know kind of imaginary and goofy looking um and she just seemed kind of and i mean that character in itself is a little over the top like antisocial awkward and she was just it was kind of painful to watch and not not in the way it should have been um but uh, that being said, there were some parts of it that I really, really enjoyed. Um, like I said, the rest of the cast was was very, very good. I thought um, they were the people that were intended to be likable were were genuinely likable, and you were dreading what you knew was coming. Um, but for the people that you know deserved Carrie's revenge, you know, I, I don't I don't typically get wrapped up in a movie that, that I'm like you know so like ready for this person to get attacked or whatever but the the main girl that was you know the bully that you know planned the whole prom thing uh you know i was just like i'm so glad i know what's coming that like she's gonna totally get it in the end because she's like so hateful and and uh you know they did a great great job of that like she was totally believable as this like awful person (laughs) um and the whole lead up to the prom sequence was really well done um where for for just a little while everything's you know going really perfectly so which you know makes the whole what and the fact that it's a remake and that you know what's coming makes that you know adds a lot to that um because you kind of this whole time you're just waiting for the for the for it to drop you know yeah, sure um so that that was really well done um but just overall it was just kind of kind of dull um obviously really predictable um and my other complaint really is that uh, the the deaths and the 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 stuff Carrie did was just so bland. It felt it felt like a very tame or toned down version of what I felt like it should have been. Where most of the deaths were like, uh, you know, Carrie throws a table and it hits somebody and they're they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> or or like I, I haven't seen the original in a really long time, but the boy that took her to prom. The bucket that had the blood in it falls on his head, and he dies. What? Dies. <laughs> yeah, like you think he's just like knocked out, but then, no, he's dead. Like he died because a bucket fell on his head. <laughs> so uh, there's only like one or maybe two like kind of memorable death scenes, but you know, in a in a in a horror movie market where we've kind of seen everything already, a lot of a lot of that kind of stuff hinges on really creative. Uh, death scenes that sounds awful <laughs> but um you know what i mean like interesting ways for them to kind of play on that and these were just really really standard and and like the bucket thing and, and some other similar things to that just seemed so silly um yeah so i mean i i would i would probably give it a i'd probably give it a c plus um it's maybe worth checking out if you're really in in the horror movie mood since it's the only thing around right now um but I wouldn't. I wouldn't really highly recommend it. So it sounds like it basically follows the the plot of the original film, beat for beat. Pretty much. Um, and I, like I said, it's been a while since I've seen that. But I've heard from other people that it follows the book a little bit more closely than the original movie okay. does. Um, but I'm, I've never read the book, and I'm not super familiar with the first movie, so I can't really speak to it. But um, you know, it was okay, but just kind of missed a lot of the the key things that 
could have put it over to being a, a, a cool sure. movie. I have to assume the film probably includes less teen nudity uh, at the beginning that is in the beginning of Carrie, which is what Carrie yeah. opens with is in a girl's locker room. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's obviously got that scene, but yeah, it's way too. Yeah, down. it's uh, Brian De Palma uh, must have liked his naked teenagers. Um, <laughs> um, so, I mean, so what would you say is like the single most like the biggest highlight of the film. I mean, we're talking like more of the negatives. Is it, is it just the special effects or no, definitely, definitely not, not that? So what, what would it be? Um, I mean, I honestly, I'd have to say the supporting okay. cast, um, everybody outside of her. Julianne Moore is okay. Um, I just kind of, I'm really not that interested in the whole, like overly religious, creepy mother sure. thing. Um, but the, the rest of the kids at the school were, were really, played very well um and and very believable as that they weren't you know sometimes you can kind of you can feel the adult writer trying to write teenagers <laughs> um but in, in this case that actually felt pretty um felt real like i felt like they were actually high school kids and you know they made sense <laughs> and they weren't they weren't saying radical you know we call that the brian michael <laughs> bendis effect <laughs> right exactly <laughs> it feels like a 40 year old man's writing teenage dialogue um sure. but well, I guess my question then is, what the hell's happened to Chloe Moretz? I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know, because um, generally I like her, but she was just so, I don't know, go- goofy in this, like, just totally unbelievable. I remember really enjoying her um, in a few films when she first started. Like, I thought she was pretty good in the first Kick-Ass. She was fine. Um, she couldn't, sure. you know, they, they, I also really liked her. Okay, and it was it Let Me In, uh, that vampire movie. Yeah, I never saw the, the American version. Yeah, I mean, I like the original but, version much better, believe me. But I, sure. I, I certainly didn't have a problem with Chloe Moretz in that film. But since Dark yeah. Shadows, man, it's like she's just getting worse and worse. Like, she was awful in Dark Shadows, like, painfully bad. And, you know, sometimes you can chalk that up to a really bad script. Um, but it sounds like... Yeah, I saw her in Kick-Ass 2. Shane saw it. Everything about that movie was wrong, mm. but... <laughs> <laughs> she, she certainly wasn't. Why did you have to bring? Sorry, that up? I, I just you know I'm, I'm thinking of movies she's been in lately. <laughs> that was the first one that came that thought came to mind. Um, and, and now apparently she's no good in this. Like her first uh, her first like kind of frontline starring role in, in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so that's that that's too bad. She it seems like, it's like a promising career needs to get reengaged a little bit. I think. Yeah, I think, I mean, it was, it's a little disappointing. I, I wasn't expecting, you know, a masterpiece or anything out of it, but um, I did, I've liked her and stuff in the past, so that, I was disappointed about that. For yeah, sure. well, C-plus for Carrie. Uh, it, it sounds like uh, just an unnecessary film that didn't need to happen, but I guess, Yep. I guess in the Halloween season, we needed something, right? Yeah, I can't believe that's the only one. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, I, 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 there, there was literally no other horror films that came out in like the past couple months. Have there been at all? So, uh, the only one I can think of is The Conjuring, but that was that was a while back. You're next. What, what, oh yeah, your next came out, but you know what? That didn't even uh, did that yeah. even come out to all theaters? I never got a chance uh, to see it. We got it in Tuscaloosa, so if we got it, then surely everybody got it. It may have been in and out in like a week, though. It was, it was, it was not a big grocer. So, um, but yeah, that's, those are really the only ones. I'm, I guess you know, it's it's a year without a Saw movie. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, or a paranormal. Right? Activity. Yeah, I mean, those were like the regular films for Halloween for a long time, and now those have kind of end. Though I guess we're gonna get that. Uh, 
was it uh, the Spanish language? The marked ones. Yeah, the Spanish language paranormal activity. That'll probably uh, be coming out uh, next Halloween. January. Oh, in January? Oh, yeah. The trailer came out for it. It comes out in Holy January. Holy cow! All right. Well, never mind. Uh, what? What? A t- when I think of scares, I think of New Year's. Um, <laughs> uh, well, so a, a C range grade for Carrie. Uh, that's yep. a skipper, folks. Watch it fall out as we fall to our knees with bammed faces. Watch it bleed free like the wind from the trees with them faces. And I'll cry for myself. Now, less on the Halloween note, though I guess... Some people might find Batman scary. I don't know. Um, I, we, one of the things we've been talking about for a couple weeks, and a couple months even, since trailers had come out, was the release of Arkham Origins, which I took an entire day off of work to play um, prior to the party on Friday. And I uh, was uh, playing with great anticipation, and I've gotten probably about oh, a quarter of the way through the game at this point. Now, keep in mind, when I play these types of games, I like to do all the side quests during the main the main quest. So I like to sort of suck up as much story as possible, because as soon as the credits hit, I don't want to go back to the game unless there's an, ex- an expansion. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. That For me, when the credits hit, the games are over. So I try, I'm trying to do everything within the game uh, prior to it coming to its conclusion. But, you know, the game is basically uh, what we came to expect. I mean, it is it, it is the uh, early Batman story. He's year two Batman. And he is, uh, basically the story begins with Black Mask staging an outbreak, or a breakout, excuse me, uh, at Blackgate Prison. And Batman ends up learning that uh, Black Mask has put a bounty on Batman's head. And uh, that includes eight assassins that are coming to get Batman. That include Bane, Copperhead, Electrocutioner, a number of people that we've talked about on this podcast insofar as uh, as, as new additions to the Arkham canon. Um, it does include uh, a number of other villains that have been in the Arkham games before, but of course younger versions. And uh, seemingly throughout the game, Batman's meeting a lot of these people for the first time. And so it seems to be one of the most eventful nights in Batman life because <laughs> he's meeting you know <laughs> mad hatter and uh, he's meeting joker he's meeting uh, a, a number of these different characters so the the premise is a little stretched when you think of it that way but um i'll talk i'll talk about two things um and two of these are, are things that i generally liked about the game and i'll talk about the one thing i didn't like about the game um as far as what i found appealing in terms of gameplay i feel like the game streamlined Arkham City a little bit. So what you have with Arkham Origins is they took the maps from Arkham City, the area where that was walled off and was Arkham City, basically that northern part of Gotham, kind of like old Gotham with Amusement Mile and uh, a number of the other city areas, and they added an entire south Gotham area, like another island. And the islands are connected by a big giant bridge. So you do a lot of like traveling between the, the different areas, and once you unlock each area by uh, destroying these these towers that Riddler has set up, uh, or destroy rather destroying these computer like 
jamming signal things. You're able to fast travel between them, so you don't have to do all this 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 uh, travel. So yes, your two Batman does have the Bat plane or Bat jet or whatever whatever the hell it is. Um, so you do a little bit of travel between them. Um, there are a number of things with the map that I think makes the game work a little more cleanly than it did in Arkham City, particularly for finding side quests. Uh, Riddler has a number of trophies throughout the game, and it's something that I'm kind of in the midst of right now in terms of solving. And it's easier to find his data packs that are that have replaced the trophies uh, in the original game. And I assume you guys have, have at least seen this before uh, in Arkham City, where there's like these little Riddler trophies that you have to get in order to be able to catch the Joker, or excuse me, the Riddler that you had to catch the Riddler. Um, so I uh, they replaced some of these data packs, and now they're easier to find on the map because the map clearly marks where they are. Whereas before, you had to kind of run around and find somebody. Uh, that the map doesn't mark off, and you've got to like interrogate them, and then eventually more of their stuff will show up. And it almost, you know, it takes a while to get all the Riddler trophies in Arkham City. Arkham Origins kind of straightens it out a little bit and gives you an exact count of everything, and makes it very easy to pull everything off. Uh, I appreciate that because I don't want to spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours doing fucking Riddler puzzles. Okay. So that was something I really enjoy. I also feel like the combat's a little, just a little smoother, but also a little more difficult uh, because your ability to co- to counter is not as easy because you're younger Batman, you're not as good. Uh, eventually, you know, you're gonna get your ass kicked a few times, and th- I like that. I like to feel that younger Batman challenge. I will also say I think the plot is, while not as good as Arkham Asylum, which to me was like still a, a revelation. As far as gameplay goes, I, I love Arkham Asylum to death, um, and I think its setting is still one of the most uh, charming of that series, and I thought the, the series maybe lost just a little bit by going into that bigger city setting. Um, I feel like its plot is better than Arkham City's, because I feel like Arkham City's was kind of held together by duct tape, um, as my friend Josh says on Twitter. You know, it's it's sort of like these unconnected set pieces that have like the loosest and loosest of connective tissue. Um, in Arkham Origins, everything kind of glues together very well. Like Black Mask, Joker, Penguin, those guys are like your main players throughout the game. And your assassins that uh, kind of get in your way at certain points. Bane, you fight him a couple of times in the game. Um, it's very... Um, it works a lot better. Plus, it helps that I'm a big mark for year one era Batman anyway. That's always my favorite era of Batman because it's my favorite Batman story of all time and maybe my favorite DC comic of all time. So they pull in a lot of Batman continuity with Easter eggs. And you're, there's this thing where you're inside the Gotham uh, Central Police Department. And you're trying to uh, you know, break in to get something from their database. And there's a chalkboard with like the names of all the organized crime families that, uh, that are a part of the Arkham Origins world. And they're all like the crime guys from all eras of Batman comics. So it has like the Moroni family, the Falcone family, uh, Lou Moxon, uh, yeah, just a ton of these guys, Tony Zuko. Um, and that ties in with like Black Mask and and like the overarching part of the story is that it Black Mask is sort of the first step. Black Mask and Penguin are, the, are like the the 
the bridging between the mob and the freaks that are coming to take over Gotham. And it's sort of the fall of the mob. And, uh, there, you know, the Falcone family's involved in it. And it's really cool and really well written. And uh, as I understand it, I think Jeff Johns had some s- oversight with the, with the plot and maybe helped guide it a little bit. And I think he helped uh, pull together a lot of really neat ideas that uh, were ex- in existence in um, not only in Scott Snyder's current zero-year arc, but also in stuff from Frank Miller and Jeff Loeb and uh, stuff that a lot of people have have hailed as part of the early part of the Batman story. Um, and, and my favorite Easter egg touch, when you're inside the Batcave, and yes, there is a Batcave, a real one this time, that you can go to and talk to Alfred and get, quote-unquote, Alfred wisdom for more experience points when you talk to him about stuff. Um there is a board that details the first three cases of Batman's career. And number one is the Falcone, Maroney crime family stuff from Batman Year One. Number two is the Red Hood gang, um, which you could sort of intimate, you know, pull some stuff from Zero Year a little bit. And then number three, interestingly enough, is his first serial killer that he fought was the Calendar Man. Uh, which I thought was a neat choice, uh, and I guess that's maybe a, a bit of a wink and a nod to the Long Halloween, as it usually is. Uh, but I, I thought that was kind of kind of kind of cool that they set up a bit of a continuity that way, and I was I was really pleased with it. And so from a plot side of things, the game is really exciting. Plus, it's the only game that's ever made Anarchy a character that was even halfway worth a shit um, <laughs> by making him a sort of Guy Fox V for Vendetta style character rather than this weird conglomeration of anarchist beliefs uh, in uh, in, in uh, the comic books. He's he's a bit more like the V for Vendetta protagonist or antagonist as you might as you might see it depending on your point of view. But he's setting up bombs throughout the city that you have to, you know, defuse. So he's sort of like the Zaz missions from the Arkham City game. They sort of reappropriate them for anarchy here. And you have a timer that you have to go run and stop these bombs. And that, let me tell you, that's some of the like the most stressful stuff in the entire game. The only thing about the game that I would say is inherently negative, other than all the bugs, and there's a lot of bugs, uh, which I think is always unacceptable for a AAA title, Anytime a game comes out, that thing needs to be quality Q&A tested you know, to the nth degree. And there shouldn't be patches before the game even hits the shelves. But uh, there's been a lot of game-breaking bugs. And when I say game-breaking, it freezes up the whole system and I can't even get out type bugs. Yeah, it's pretty nasty. But the other thing that I think is a bit of a negative for the game is not only does it feel a little too familiar... Uh, it also like kind kind of like one of those Assassin's Creed titles that comes out between the numbered book titles. Um, it's sort of like how if Arkham City was Assassin's Creed Two, Arkham Origins is sort of Assassin's Creed Brotherhood before Assassin's Creed Three even came out. You know, um, it's it, it's almost just too familiar. Um, there's a bit of lifelessness to the game in terms of its design. Um, in Arkham City, the prison setup. It gives you, you know, plenty of reason for why there aren't citizens running around everywhere. I mean, there's a few people that get caught, and you have to like save them from like the gangs and stuff. But in Arkham Origins, there are no people on the street except for cops and criminals. 
And their excuse for that is that there is an ongoing like intercom system message where they say, you know, citizens of Gotham, you are under a curfew. Please return to your homes. And that's pretty much the reason why there's nobody out there on Christmas Eve. Um, so it's it's a little bit of a weak excuse. And it really is just because they didn't want to design any extra character models because there were just it, 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 there's a lot more varied character models throughout the game, which is good. But it does take away a little bit of the realism. It feels like you're just playing you know, a giant version of Arkham City rather than um, rather than you know a, a fully living, breathing city itself. Um, you know, you, you can't make it like Grand Theft Auto, but at the same time, a little bit of humanity wouldn't have hurt. But it, in all, it's a good game. I really enjoy it. In many ways, I'm finding uh, parts of it that make me want to return to it more than Arkham City. So, uh, you know, we'll see how it ends. I'm still only a quarter of the way through, and something may happen that may totally change my mind. But at this point, I think it's a definite buy. I give it a solid B+. Plus. Um, and, oh, and Roger Craig Smith is an awesome Batman, by the way. Uh, and uh, Troy Baker is a very good Joker. I like him a lot. But I kind of wish he had been allowed to do his own Joker rather than imitate Mark Hamill's as uh, mm-hmm. Roger Craig Smith was able to make basically make his own Batman that sounds something but somewhere between like Christian Bale and um, and uh, Kevin Conroy, which I think is fairly appropriate for early Batman. So we'll see. I'm going to keep playing it. I'm going to play it as soon as we get done with this uh, podcast tonight, actually. So uh, that's that is my thoughts on Arkham Origins. And cool. uh, go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna say I'm gonna have to pick it up. Um, I loved our, both the first games actually, but Arkham City was definitely one of my favorite games that year. Yeah, so. yeah, it's it's fun. I mean, I I'm a, I'm a little sad that it's that it, it's it, it's sort of like the end of the of this generation of gaming for me because I don't imagine I'm gonna pick up any more games after this for the PS3. So this was sort of the last hurrah, and Beyond Two Souls was a giant disappointment. So um, this was this was it, and I'm glad it, I'm glad it was fun. I'm glad it's fun. I'm glad it lived up to expectations. I think the rumors now are that uh, Rocksteady, the original developers of the Arkham games, are working on a next generation sequel to Arkham City. So you'll probably get we'll probably be back to status quo by the time the PS4 and Xbox One come out. And I guess they're oh, I guess they're on the verge of coming out in like a couple weeks, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Um, I won't be getting one till like next year when Dragon Age, <laughs> Dragon Age Inquisition comes out. That'll probably be the first like next gen game we buy. But uh, yeah, that's it, it. It it's very good. It's it's super intuitive. It there nothing has changed basically, and there's a couple of things they've added that uh, you might you might dig. I I would I would definitely say it, it's worth it. Um, I don't know if it's worth paying full price for or not. I like it for its story, and if you're really itching for Batman, I would say do it. But there again. Um, it's also possibly if if you're playing on the Xbox, definitely wait until everything is patched because Xbox Xbox is unfortunately or the 360 is seeing a uh, a game breaking bug that also erases your saves. So hold off until that gets patched. Hopefully within the next week. Um, but anyhow, that's enough of Arkham Origins. Let's skirt into news. All right. So. Um... I don't have a ton of news here, so if I'm forgetting something, feel free to chime in. But um, we had three notable trailers come out within the past week. 
Um, the first of those, uh, which I'll talk about, it's not the first one to be released, but I would say it's the least notable of the three, but it's worth mentioning. Uh, for DC's newest animated movie, which is Justice League War, which is based on the first Justice League arc of the New 52. Um, Animation-wise, I think it looks pretty much like the New 52 artwork. It looks very similar to uh, Jim Lee's art. Um, I don't know how the movie itself is going to turn out. I'm interested to see how it all works together. Um, but I think the most note- thing to note about this trailer is that Aquaman is not in the trailer, but Shazam is. And it is Jeff John's version of Shazam where he's a little... Billy Batson is a little kid. But it's it seems very noticeable to me that Shazam is in this and not Aquaman. Yeah, the art, I, I looked at it, and uh, it's a little... Um, it's, it, it's not awful, the art. Yeah. But there's something about it that, that seems a little odd. Kind of like how... Um, I felt that way about the Flashpoint cartoon, too. At first, like... Like your mm. little heads, you know, on giant bodies a little bit. Um, so it took, took a little yeah. getting used to, but um, I also, the trailer, I don't I don't know if you guys noticed this. Man, I think I feel like everybody did, but holy crap, the music was loud and the voices were not. Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> it was horribly mixed. Yeah, what the I hell? I can't believe Warner allowed something like that to even uh, hit the market. I mean, that seems nuts to me, but... Uh, maybe they just don't give a shit. I don't know. Um, they think people will tune into it anyway. But I, I, I mean, I'm excited for it because I want to see Shazam in a cartoon, and I understand this cartoon will be the first in like an ongoing continuity now. For oh, no, I'm excited about that though because I sort of like them to connect a little bit. You know, my head, I, I get into continuity a lot, and so the idea of them sort of doing some carryover, like, not, like, the same actors over and over again, because they said they're going to change those, but, yeah, oh, it won't, there won't be the same people, because especially if you get stuck with, like, a bum Batman, you don't want to have the damn same Batman every time, or the same Superman, but, uh, just from, like, a storytelling perspective, they want to be able to connect them a little bit, and, you know, provided that, uh, that they, they do that in an effective way, I'm, I'm excited about it, I mean, it, that's, that 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 that's sort of like a nice replacement for the Justice League series that we just won't get anymore on TV, you know, and the Young Justice that's gone, and you know now now beware the Batman's gone, Harper. So yeah. <laughs> uh, it's so funny. We we said we were going to talk about beware the Batman at some point on this show, and then the uh, like just last week, and then the next day comes the tweet that nope, beware the Batman's off the air. Uh, <laughs> come, it'll come back in January, maybe. Um, yeah. but I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know anything about many of those voice actors that are in it other than Sean Astin is playing, uh, Shazam. And he, uh, you know, the, he was, uh, Sam in Lord of the Rings, but I don't know pretty much any of those other people. I don't think other than Michelle Monaghan, who's playing Wonder Woman. So that's like the, uh, the other like main name I'm familiar with. Cause she's been in a few like films I've seen. But um, yeah, I mean, as long as it's you know a little a little more exciting than the Jeff Johns initial arc that I don't remember liking very much actually. Uh, it was so boring. Oh my god. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, I like the origin for Cyborg a lot, and I'm glad Cyborg's still getting love here. But I don't know, man. Maybe maybe having Shazam will like spruce it up a little bit too, though, because um, you know in the story. Aquaman just sort of appears 
in like the fourth issue. Mm. But maybe here, like Billy Batson will provide like some sort of um, like grounding for all these characters and sort of like real Wait. real person perspective. You know what I mean? See, I don't know. The the original story in the movie looks to to be following the same lines. That's just such a like generic origin for the Justice League. It's so boring to me. Um, it's just like Darkseid comes. He didn't actually do anything. He's just there, you know, menacingly, I guess. And then they all sort of get together. They all argue with each other, and then they all fight him. Like there's just nothing to it. That was like the most dull story of the new 52 for me. I was very disappointed. So I'm I'm not I'm not thrilled about it. And the trailer kind of uh, cemented my suspicions. Yeah, they they fight each other too at some point, don't they? And it, like that standard, yeah. you know, the uh, heroes have to fight yeah. before they get together. Yeah, and I I, I didn't like that either. <laughs> well, sure. Well, I mean, I, I who does? I mean, that's such a standard yeah. tropey thing but um i don't know here's the thing i i for me like i didn't really like flashpoint very much as a comic but i loved the movie that's true i did like that one too much better than the original Yeah, there comic. was something about the way they scripted it the way like seeing it happen in action like it just felt crisp and the story really worked and my hope is it's using the same team that basically put together um, they put together Flashpoint. They're putting together this movie, Justice League War. So I'm hoping that that means it will be just as good. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's too much to hope for. But I'm excited about that. And hopefully there'll be some hints that lead towards that next that next animated adventure, which is Batman and Son. So. Oh really? I hadn't yeah, heard that. yeah yeah yeah. So like the next the next two. The next two cartoons that are coming up from DC are uh, Batman and Son, which are based off that, which is based off of, but is not apparently going to be a direct adaptation of that first Grant Morrison arc with Damien. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, but they said they're not doing direct adaptations anymore, so it's going to be more of just a, uh, it's inspired huh. by the story kind of thing, which I'm, I'm more excited huh. for. And then they said the next one after that will not take place in the continuity of the story uh, that they, they're building up. And instead, it's, it's, it's going to be a game that takes place in the Arkham universe. And that's a little less promising for me since I've already played the damn games. But it's called, right. it's called Batman Assault on Arkham. I don't know. Hmm. I have no idea, you know. Yay, more Batman animated movies. Oh, I know. But, hey, but the news did break out that after that, they're doing an Aquaman movie. So um, hmm. my guess is it's going to be Justice League Throne of Atlantis. That yeah. Seems, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I mean, it seems like the one way to like do a big Aquaman arc is just to adapt the next crossover after the Justice League origin story, um, which probably means Forever Evil ain't far away either. But um, there also was there was also talk about uh, doing a Justice League story that featured Wonder Woman pretty heavily. So um, things to keep your eye on as far as uh, DC animated movies go. Hmm. Well, uh, let's talk about the two big trailers that came out. The first one being. Captain America the Winter Soldier. Um, I gotta tell you, after watching that trailer, I don't think I know anything else about that movie after seeing it, which can either be a good thing or a bad thing, but I have to say I went out of that trailer not knowing any more about the movie than I did going in. I felt like a kid watching that trailer, man. It's just like constant explosions and and fight scenes and seeing uh, uh, Falcon and and the Winter Soldier... It looked exciting as hell to me. 
but yeah, you're right. There's like no story involved <laughs> at all in that trailer, which I, I'm I'm kind of okay with. Yeah, it was it was well done, and I there is a special art to trailer making where uh, when they cut these things, they you know unfortunately, like let's just use Carrie as an example. That trailer gave away the yeah. entire story, and yeah, I right. guess it assumed you knew the story already. But I think that's a lot to assume, honestly. Uh, especially for a film that's made, then you know, it was originally made in the '70s. But uh, with this Captain America: The Winter Soldier, I appreciated the level of mystery that kind of surrounded it. I mean, the things I gathered were there's issues at Shield. Apparently, in this post 9/11 landscape, they're heightening security in some way, uh, maybe becoming a bit more uh, spy-ish uh, on, on general citizenry, and it has something to do with Robert Redford's character was what I was sort of gathering. And it seems like the Winter Soldier is in the employ of Robert Redford's character, but that's just like the way they cut it. So that may not be the case at all. Um, It certainly, I I don't remember, it's been a long time since I've read the Brubaker arc, but I don't remember who uh, the Winter Soldier worked for. And I I am not saying names because that is a spoiler. If you have not read that story, I cannot give that away. Um, because it seems clear the trailer is trying to cover it up too a little bit. Um, so I'm gonna, I am not going to spoil that for anybody. But uh, I, I can't remember who he worked for in the in the actual arc anymore. I felt like it was the Russians, um, but maybe I'm wrong about that. Did, did y'all ever read those those Brubaker stories? I know I know who he is, but I don't know who he works for. I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, yeah, but the Falcon stuff looked cool as hell too, man. I mean, mm-hmm. it's uh, there's there's not a lot of uh, positive ways to display the Falcon uh, <laughs> in a way that doesn't look completely <laughs> ridiculous. And I think they might have pulled it off. And having Anthony, I think they did. Having Anthony Mackie yeah. play him is awesome. By the way, uh, that guy's an incredible actor, uh, and uh, I've been hoping to see him in more stuff anyway. So I'm I'm very stoked to see him in, in a big tentpole picture, big tentpole film, um, and it looks like Black Widow's got a big role too. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of interesting. Um, I think I definitely got that vibe from it that they said they're going for with the movie that it's going to be a political thriller. Even though I feel like we've seen almost every single major action scene from the movie, or at least snippets of it. I still definitely got that political thriller vibe they said they're going for with this movie. Yeah, like uh, I guess the 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 elevator scene that everybody keeps talking about, um, right. which was a big hit at Comic Con this year, uh, that's going to be one of the big set pieces that they say everyone's going to remember. But I, I wonder if there's probably going to be more to it than that. I do have a prediction for this movie that I won't spoil because it might be true <laughs> and maybe okay. i'll mention it after the show but I, I i feel like there's there may be something nefarious going on in the background that no one else may agree with me on but i'm gonna hold it to myself until we get a little closer to time and uh see if i might be right later on um so i i the other thing i noticed about that trailer was that i think i finally get what is handicapping Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for me a little bit. And I think it has to do with the fact that I think the major plot points regarding S.H.I.E.L.D. are being held for this movie. And I think S.H.I.E.L.D. is like stuck until this movie 
runs its course. <laughs> so it's like status quo, status quo, status quo. And then maybe something real big is going to change it for like the next season of this show. And that might be a positive, honestly. Um, but, it, you know, it's, it seems like all the big S.H.I.E.L.D. things are being held off for the Winter Soldier. Um, not and not necessarily a good thing, but it's just something I kind of caught. And I, th- I think that's kind of been the scuttlebutt on Twitter from a lot of people. So um, just, just something else of note. Yeah, well, right. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. can't have a uh, helicarrier exploding either, I guess. <laughs> right, or much less six helicarriers in one shot. Sure, yeah. Sure. All right, so um, let's talk about this second trailer that came out today for Days of Future Past. Um, the It was very odd on Twitter. Everybody was so pumped for this trailer to come out, and then after it came out, all the media people I follow uh, were all like, oh, it was just the Comic-Con trailer, and it's like, well, I wasn't at Comic-Con, so <laughs> I was glad to get to see this trailer. So, um, they, Brian Singer had said the day before there would be not uh, no visual effects shots in the trailer since they are still working on them. But um, overall, I, I, I enjoyed it. I know, Kyle, you had different thoughts. I saw your thoughts on Twitter. Um, I thought it was a decent trailer. I don't feel like um, people who see... I don't know if they're going to put this with Thor or with what, but I think people who see this trailer, they're not going to be if they're not familiar with Days of Future Past or that this movie's in production, they might not be aware of what this movie's completely about. But I'm I'm excited. I think it looks good. Yeah, I, I was a really big fan of um, First Class. Uh, and uh, and sort of, uh, I mostly like the X-Men movies, the first two anyways, obviously. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. And just, just to have a, a time-traveling X-Men story as a movie sounds incredibly cool um and although the trailer's a little bit boring um i like i think the visuals the way that they the costumes for everybody and the way the the kind of future x-men look is pretty pretty cool um it's better than i had expected for that actually so i'm pretty excited about it still just what the x-men series needed more characters I mean, I, I I knew it was coming and all, and but I was just like when I saw it in the trailer, I was just like, oh my god, there's so many people that are gonna get like so little character definition, and I think that's always been a problem with these X Men movies anyway, and that's kind of why I dug the Wolverine so much because it focused on one character uh, as its leading protagonist, and. Um, it sounds like he'll be the leading protagonist of this movie, too. <laughs> um, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, otherwise, I mean, the movies, I'm sure, will be fine. I just think the trailer's a little bit of a misstep from Fox. Because if you ever, you ever look at the amount of money the last couple X-Men movies made at the box office. So X-Men The Last Stand made like $250 million domestically, right? Or 240 something like that. And that's pretty good. That was a big haul uh, for that series. And adjusted for uh, today's gross, that's even bigger. Now, X-Men First Class made $100 million less than that. And that's not, I mean, they, that's not accounting for the adjusting you'd have to do uh, to bring up X-Men Last Stand's dollars. So I, I feel like there's a level of fatigue with X-Men amongst like the general public. And maybe it's because X-Men The Last Stand sucked and... Wolverine Origins, X Men Origins, Wolverine was awful, and uh, you know they, a lot of people took took that out on First Class and uh, the Wolverine, which did even worse. So I don't know. Uh, I think maybe a more exciting trailer might have done a little better, 
something with a little more yeah, action, like, you know? But... We do still have a while until this movie comes out, so we'll get at least one more big trailer like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Wait, when does this movie release again? In May? Okay, mm-hmm. so you got... We have Captain America in April, and then X-Men Days of Future Past in May. Um, that's that's pretty, that's pretty cool back-to-back. I, I mean, I, I hope the movie's good, because I like the concept, and all the actors are tremendous, at least the main ones. Uh, it's fun, it'll be fun to see Michael Fassbender meet Ian McKellen in a movie as Magneto, young and old. Um, but... I don't know. It, it's one I'm kind of hold, holding my breath on because the last couple of Brian Singer movies have been terrible. And I don't mean X-Men movies. I mean his last couple of movies in general. Um, yeah, I saw Jack the Giant Slayer. Give me a fucking break. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so that would have been my worst movie I've seen this year until last weekend anyway. All right. So um, in a bit of movie news. Uh, well, yeah, let's go with movie news and then we'll do the one video game news. Um I was very, very, very excited, and it almost, it did eclipse the uh, news of uh, Days of Future Past trailer for me. Uh, I was very excited to read this morning that uh, Trick or Treat 2 is in the works, and if you have never seen Trick or Treat, for whatever reason, uh, you are missing out on what is possibly the best horror movie about Halloween since John Carpenter's Halloween. Like, I would say... If there are movies that you should must watch every Halloween, I would say Nightmare Before Christmas, John Carpenter's Halloween, Trick or Treat, and Cabin in the Woods would probably be ones you should watch every Halloween. And Trick or Treat, I think, just embodies the whole spirit of the holiday and its main character of Sam, who helps weave all these three stories together. Just, uh, it's it's such a great movie. Like I can't I can't say enough about how much I love it. And I, I think the idea of having these different stories and it being this, um, like what Twilight Zone is, what's on anthology, what's the word? anthology series, uh, where you have this. So obviously it'll be a different story, but having Sam show up again and doing three different Halloween stories. And Michael Doherty has said he wants to look at, there's so many other creatures he can do. We did zombies, vampires, and werewolves with the first one. And so there's so many more things he can do. And so now... I'm really excited to see what else he can do, since those three monsters are the three most adapted creatures, particularly of the last 10 to 15 years. So it'll be really interesting to see what ideas he comes up with. It'll probably be not till Halloween 2015 that we get to even see this happen, but I'm, I'm pumped for it. I can't wait. Yeah, I uh, I was I was always a big fan of that movie. Um, I, I didn't see it until it was out on video, though. I guess... Well, it never got a theatrical release. Oh, it never release. did? Oh, well, never mind. No. It was supposed to be released theatrically in 2007, and then it got delayed, and then it just got released on DVD in 2009. I see. Yeah, that, that's about when I saw it, because um, I'd heard some like kind of cool things about it, and more like cheeky horror films like that are more what I'm into than your standard mm-hmm. like horror films these days, because I've just, I don't know. Yeah, the the my level of interest in paranormal activity type stuff is pretty low. So to get like a nice, cleverly written film like that, uh, which is funny, I think I'm pretty sure Michael Doherty wrote. Did he write one of the X Men movies? I think he, I Possibly, did. I, I think remember. Michael Doherty also wrote Superman Returns, um, which is kind of funny. I think he may have written X Men Two, Superman Returns, but I could be dead wrong about that. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I like that story a lot. I like its twists. Um, 
particularly like the really good werewolf one. I loved that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has a great sense of humor. That movie. Does. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen it. I need to see it again. I, I should uh, do you know pit, you know see if I can get some horror films on the cheap. Maybe that's one of them I can get on Blu-ray and just like watch that. I bet you can because I I just now looked it up on Amazon because I don't own it either. My brother owns it and it's only six bucks. Really? On, Blu-ray. on Blu-ray. So. Nice. Yeah. Sweet. I'll look, I'll, I'll look for that in American Werewolf in London and see if I can get them both on the super, super cheap. Um, if not there, then maybe at like Walmart or something <laughs> or Target yeah. uh, where they have like Halloween movie sections, see what's around. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that that's that that that's cool. I'm glad they're making a sequel of that. I'm going to have to watch the uh, the original one again. The first time I saw it, I didn't I didn't really dig it all that much. It just seemed what? kind of I know. Well, this is see this is the thing. Is the first time I saw it, I thought it was kind of generic and I just I didn't really think much about it, but then I hear from so many of my friends whose movie opinions I trust that it's awesome. So I'm definitely going to have to see it again. Um, I I absolutely adore it. It's a great movie and I'm definitely planning on going out to get my own copy of it so I can watch it. On Thursday night. Yeah, that's that's a perfect pick for a Halloween film, for sure. Alright, so let's just talk about one more video game thing that came out. Um, we had a very, very, very short trailer for The Walking Dead Season 2, Tales Tales New Game. Um, I've still got to finish Episode 1 of Wolf Among Us, but with this trailer being released, I have to imagine if Walking Dead Season 2 is not coming out immediately after Wolf Among Us, there is another idea that we kind of talked about before the show that maybe they'll release them uh, at the same time. So, like, we have the first episode of Wolf Among Us out, and then the first episode of Walking Dead Season 2, then the first ep- second episode of Wolf Among Us, and so on and so forth. Um, I still haven't finished the Walking Dead game, so, I mean, uh, I guess I'm excited for this. Um, I hope that they fix things with it like they have with Wolf Among Us. I would say Wolf Among Us has a night and day difference in terms of a lot of technical aspects to it compared to The Walking Dead, so I hope Season 2 makes those fixes as well. But uh, in terms of the trailer itself, we really only get one shot, and I don't... I gotta say, I didn't really notice any difference in the graphics at all. I don't know. It's, it's sort of a if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing, though. Uh, like, yeah. I, I, I loved The Last Walking Dead game, and... I thought it was a really involving game, and it really sucked me in for hours at a time. Which, when a game can do that, it means it's doing its job really well. Mm-hmm. Um, great story, really good voice acting, though. I'm not, like, I know there's a lot of people that love Clementine, the main character. I'm not exactly in love with that performance. Yeah. Uh, to me, it, it sounds like a 40-year-old woman is doing an a, a, a 8-year-old's voice. But um, I, I loved the lead actor, and um, obviously he will, sorry for the spoilers, he will not be in this next game, um, necessarily speaking. But I think, the, uh, I think that uh, it could be very good. Uh, so, you know, they, 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 they put together a great game last time. I think this one will be just as awesome before. Harper, did you ever play these Walking Dead games? No, I haven't. Okay. I, I do recommend them, by the way. I mean, it's neat to, to see them, uh, you know, they do a lot of Georgia stuff because it's sort of like, you know, in the Walking Dead comics, they're heading north, right? So they leave Atlanta and they head, like, north Georgia up to the Carolinas and stuff up into Virginia. Well, in the game, it takes place in the same universe, and you even meet a couple characters that are from uh, the comics, like... Um, I don't remember the lady's name, but it's like one of the ladies. It's part. It's part of Woodbury. Um, mm-hmm. I think they even wrote a, like a novel around her, maybe. 
and the uh, they're actually heading south. They're heading towards Savannah. So you end up in Macon at a certain point in the game, and you end up in Savannah at another point, and that's really cool. It's like a nice use of geography. I will say Macon does not look like that, but <laughs> uh, it's still just fun to see Macon, Georgia, and like a major video game title. Uh, I never thought I would ever see that in my life. <laughs> so, yeah, um, but uh, yeah, that's it, it's it's a lot of fun, and I, I like adventure games, so that's why I still got to download Wolf Among Us. I still got to play it. No kidding, man. <laughs> play the play the opening, and that's all I've all Good I've Lord, done. It's been a couple weeks. Get on that. I know. T- teaching's a very consuming position. I know it. Well, uh, at least at least you get summers off. Yep. Hopefully, it doesn't take that long for me to play. Oh, right. <laughs> well, by then the whole thing will be completed. So you know you'll be able to play it all in one right. one go. All right. So that's all I got. All so. right. That's that's it. You know, it had small amount of news, but impactful. I mean, it's nice that we got all these trailers. You know, it's uh, it's exciting time to be a nerd. Um, anyway, comics. Speaking of nerdly things, uh, there were a number of big titles that came out, uh, particularly from the uh, Matt Fraction family, um, that uh, hit uh, store shelves this week or this past week rather. And uh, I had a huge haul. I don't know about you guys, but I ended up probably, you know, spending around forty bucks this this go round. Oh wow, mine was pretty low. This really? Week. Yeah, mine too. Man, all right. Well, mine's gonna be low this coming week, thank God. But uh, all right. So Harper, you going first? What was the best title you read this week? Uh, it's it was a close close call uh, between Daredevil and Uncanny Avengers. Um, since I've talked about Uncanny Avengers uh, last week, I, I think I'll go with Daredevil. Um, and and plus because we had a uh, kind of a Halloween esque show this week, um, Daredevil always seems to do these perfectly timed issues that I know they're written and drawn you know months in advance, but they come out right on right on time with the theme that seems perfect. Uh, so this month we had an issue that ties in with the normal story, but uh, has classic monsters involved in a really really fun way. Um, with a gorgeous cover by Chris Somney, by the way. Um, so Daredevil is uh, still tracking down the um, the cult that's infested the uh, legal system in New York, and it leads him to where he meets Doctor Strange, who uh, points him in the direction to a strange and foreign land, which is uh, Kentucky. Uh, and he ends up going to Kentucky, and uh, he's about to fight what he thinks are racist, but they're actually a mob trying to fight monsters. <laughs> and he doesn't know that they're monsters because... All he can do is smell, say that they smell funny, but to them, uh, he's not. He just thinks they're regular people. But it's Frankenstein and uh, the Wolfman and the Mummy. Um, so it's it was just a really really fun issue, and it's, I mean, this this series is ridiculously good. It's been consistently, uh, you know, every issue is at least an eight out of ten um, from from issue one. Uh, so I, it was fantastic. I loved it again. Yeah, I read that. Um... I'm not loving this arc, man. Like at all. Like it, it's it, it's 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 okay, but I feel like since Wade has told his main story with uh, Bullseye and uh, you know the guy that the people that were sort of like running, uh, running Matt's life into the ground, which sounds like every Daredevil story ever, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm just. I feel like there's a little bit too much, too too you know, a little little too much social commentary going on in this story. I would have said that about the last issue. Yeah, for, sure. uh, for definitely last issue. This issue, I mean, I, I appreciated the cleverness of the monster reveal, 
over, um, you know, at first I was like, oh my God, please don't tell me he's going to a town full of racists. Yeah, seriously. Oh, Kentucky town full of redneck racists. Awesome. Way to go, Mark, you know. But it, the fact that they turned it into like an angry villager thing relating to the monsters, that's a thin line because the monsters could be stand-ins for stuff. And, like, they could be, like, metaphors for, you know, like, in, intolerance and, and, you know, that kind of thing feels a little preachy, too. Not to say that the message isn't worth hearing. It's just, I'm not sure Mar that's Mark Wade's strength. Um, but it is very pretty to look at. It's some really good art. Chris Somney is yeah. awesome, as always. So I can't fault the story for its for, for that. So I don't know. I'll be interested to see what the next chapter brings. I didn't hate it while I was reading it. I was just kind of annoyed because this Serpent Society story or whatever the hell they're called. Uh, what's the group called? Uh, I think it is the Society of Serpents or Serpent Society. Something, yeah, something like that. about that story just isn't working for me so well. But um, – well, I guess we'll see what happens because whatever whatever shakes out of this story uh, is what apparently ends the title. So um, there's that. Yeah, that makes me very sad. <laughs> well, that doesn't necessarily mean. I mean, I'll probably just restart it with Mark Wade at number one again with Baby Chris Somney, and that's that's probably all they're doing for all new Marvel now. But who knows? Maybe there'll be a whole new creator come in and uh, take over Daredevil, which would be very disappointing. Um, yeah, it really would. Uh, but eh, maybe Mark Wade's told his story. Who knows? Um, I'm just pissed off because my hardcover is going to be super out of out of order and out of number now because there's going to be a new volume <laughs> one, and that just infuriates me to no end. So, anyhow, yeah, that uh, that yeah, it's still a solid pick though, Harper. Um, what was your worst of the week? Well, I gotta say, I picked up something I normally would never consider picking up because I did have a small week and I was in the Halloween mood. So I I saw on the shelf uh, Army of Darkness versus Reanimator, and it lived up to exactly what I what I should have expected. It was absolutely terrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so wait, it's is it Ash fighting? Uh... It's yeah, it's Ash gets time. He's like in the vortex and gets. Uh, displaced in time and he's hanging out with uh uh what's his name from reanimator um the main guy and uh trying to get the he reanimator has stolen the book uh of the dead so he can't so ash needs that to get back to his own time and so he's trying to fight him and get that back and it was just it was just really cheesy and really not not in a good way <laughs> um and just bad typical kind of dynamite really boring art who, who wrote who wrote this book um, geez, I'm not even sure. It, it wasn't anybody I'd ever heard of before. Mm, bad sign, Harper. Bad sign. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I got suckered into it. <laughs> well, I I can't give you uh yeah I can't dap you for uh you know not for you know trying for trying something new you know. Although hey, I gotta say there was something worse on the shelf that I I did resist. Parker versus aliens. Did you see oh, that? Oh wait, is that Parker? Is in Darwin Cook's Parker? Is in from the books, I'm guessing, not from Darwin Cook's, because it was it was just like sixty spy guy fighting aliens. It looked so oh ridiculous. Oh my god! Stupid. No, I, I didn't even hear about that. That's that sounds awful. As somebody that really <laughs> likes those Parker books, uh, that yeah. that blows, man. <laughs> um, well, Shane, what was your best of this week, man? Um, I think my favorite was Velvet for this week. Um, though I did really enjoy Thunderbolts. But I think Velvet was my favorite. Um, 
for those who aren't familiar with it, I put this on my uh, most anticipated from Comic-Con list of comics. Um, uh, it's basically just the idea of what if Money Penny were also a spy. Um, and it's just, it's a comic that plays on those spy tropes from the 60s. And it's written in a way, um, as a fan of both the James Bond films and also Ian Fleming's books, it is written away in a way that walks the line between both of the homaging both of those and then also being its own story that is just done fantastically and the art is just gorgeous in it so really exciting concept love the writing of it brought me back to really wanting to get back into the james bond series of novels again um and i i can't wait to see where this goes um i loved it i mean i absolutely loved that book and I thought that it was like the perfect first issue. Like I felt like you got yes. you got everything you needed in that first book. Yep. Um, the art was gorgeous. Some of the best Steve Epting work I've seen in a while. And um, I, I I kind of missed him. I hadn't seen him in anything since Captain America, really. And maybe because I'm not picking up enough comics. But I. I really enjoyed it, and I was I was thrown a little bit by the end twist at the issue, where I guess I, I guess the assumption is that she's like a double agent. Is that what's going on, Shane? Um, I, I assumed it was just that she was like she used to be an agent, but she kind of had to retire for whatever reason and had been working okay. as a secretary. Okay, see, I was a little I was a little uh, thrown off by that. I had to read it a couple of times, and I'm not sure. I'm sure we'll get an explanation in later issues, maybe even the second issue. Right, that's like the sort of thing I just picked up. I was like, oh, okay, cool. You know, I'll, I'll you know, well, maybe next issue we'll explain it all. But, um, yeah, I, it's very, very good. I, I love that issue. Um, Harper, you, you, you read that, didn't you? I didn't. I completely forgot about it. I was looking forward to it, but I just, I missed it on my, uh, when I was making my pull list, so I didn't grab it. I'm going to try and get it this all week. Right, yeah, I mean, do it for sure. Plus, you know, you know, image. They don't reprint anything anymore. So yeah. <laughs> unless it's like super high in demand, they never they never do anything with it. So I was about to say, surely they reprint Saw. Um, they were. They did an image first of the first issue. That that's that's kind of it. I think, yeah, they, they had they, they had puts out some sort of press <laughs> release that said they weren't going to be doing like multiple printings anymore of their books, and it was just going to they were going to try to rush out trades faster, which is what they've been doing. Which yeah. they do. <laughs> I mean, ten buck trades for five issues—that's a great deal, you know. Um, yeah. But I don't—I I don't know if I know—I know Velvet sold out from the publisher side of things, but that doesn't mean this exactly. Sold out yeah. So right. just just be on the lookout for it. It's great. And, uh, paired with Fatal, Ed Brubaker's at like the height of his powers, man, for sure. Uh, what was your worst of the week, Shane? Um. I wouldn't say I had one that I hated this week, um, which is surprising considering Iron Man came out last week. Um, but um, I'd say Red Lanterns was a little disappointing, um, mostly just because uh, Lights Out had been building and building on itself and had been feeling really good, or at least entertaining enough to make me want to read the next chapter. And I felt like this chapter was just a Red Lantern story that had the very the most meager of details about lights out that it could possibly have. And then you realize, Oh, we only have one more chapter left of this story. So for a penultimate chapter of a crossover, it didn't feel like it was part of the crossover at all, or at least barely attached to this crossover. Yeah. I, I, I suffered through it. Um, 
I like Charles Soule as a writer, but mm-hmm. I will say the atrocity butcher, really? That's yeah. a thing? Um, <laughs> sorry, I, I, I was blown away. I, yeah, dude, seriously, Harper, get this. Atrocitus has merged with that Red Lantern entity, the Butcher, and he's called the mm-hmm. Atrocity Butcher. Oh, God. <laughs> but then, didn't didn't Kyle Rayner take it, though, and it melded Yeah, it did. So, I mean, Kyle's got them all now uh, for the stuff that happened in New Guardians. Um, it's it's a really silly storyline, actually. I don't... I, I gotta say, I'm, I'm not... I, the promise of what was going on with Relic all of a sudden is far less interesting when it's spread across a bunch of other titles. And right. I, I don't like Kyle's. I could give a shit about Kyle's story, to be honest with you. Yeah. And yeah. I, the only things that that I'm digging are Robert Venditti's writing in Green Lantern and Van Jensen's yeah. writing in um, Green Lantern Core. And that's yeah. not because Van might hear this, <laughs> but uh, more because I genuinely do like that uh, like that story a lot, and I like John a lot. But the Kyle stuff is boring as hell, and I don't even care about any of the Red Lanterns. So I feel a little bamboozled having bought those last two parts of Lights Out. Like, I could have skipped those and still probably mm-hmm. known what's happening by the time I get to the annual this coming week. So, um... Yeah, I was that I I was teetering on the damn. Do I just need to get rid of Green Lantern altogether after reading Red Lanterns? Uh, just because my exhaustion with the characters have just like hit a peak point. But I'll probably just avoid these crossovers from now on. Lesson learned. Yep. Um, for my best this week, I'm gonna pick one of the Fraction books. I thought I was going to say Satellite Sam, but you know what? <laughs> I like Satellite Sam, but it's kind of hard for me to describe what went on in that story, to be honest. It's very um, character-heavy and very dramatic and slow, and it doesn't really sound that interesting when I talk about it. So I'm not going to talk about it. Instead, I'm going to talk about Sex Criminals, because that has a lot of ejaculation. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> Satellite Sam has a lot It has of some. It. Yeah, Satellite <laughs> Sam has the ejaculation. Factor. Yeah, yeah, it has cunnilingus in it too. I mean, but uh, the uh, Sex Criminals I thought was really clever because the first issue of Sex Criminals that came out last month focused on a girl who, when she has sex, time and she begins to orgasm, time begins to slow down and stops for a certain amount of time while she's sort of in the afterglow of her orgasm. And uh, she, you know, is able to you know, raise hell basically via it, as we learn eventually. But at some point, she meets a guy in the first issue, and when they have sex, you know, she's expecting time to slow down. Blah blah blah. Um, instead, he, everything does slow down, but he's still with her. And it turns out he has the exact same like magical power she has. And so this issue was all his story. His story is hilarious, okay? Um, <laughs> so uh, she has like this really funny – I can't remember the names of these things now. Um, but it's it's like she has a name for that the place she goes to, and she has like this really nice scientific name. And he calls it the cum space or something like that. <laughs> you know, he's got like a super like misogynistic kind of you know shitty crude way of looking at it. And um, he he talks about his first experience doing it, and uh, he like <laughs> he wants to go into the porn store when he was a kid, 
and they won't let him in because you know obviously he's underage. So he realizes he can stop time. So he decides to use he decides to stop time to go to the porn store. And what he does is he runs into the bank that's across the street, rubs one out in the uh, in the bathroom, and then time stops. And uh, he runs into the porn store and he's like looking at all the crazy porn and stuff, and he's just like having having fun. And he realizes when he looks at one of the other bits of porn that uh, are inside the store, he starts to get uh, get wood again. And when he gets and he gets turned on, everything like everything like starts back up again, like time. So he's stuck in this porn store with no pants on, <laughs> and everybody's like, "Who's this kid in the porn store?" And so there's like this whole like panel of him like running around the porn store, getting chased around by employees. Um, it's a really really funny book. Um, it's nothing to take seriously, but it's. You know, a part of Matt Fraction really doing some of the best work of his career right now, along with like Hawkeye and his work on FF, which unfortunately ended this week. And of course, Satellite Sam, which might be one of my favorite books that's coming out right now. So he, a uh, former student of Ed Brubaker, um, is uh, you know also really coming into his own finally, and it's fabulous. So I can't recommend Sex Criminals enough. Just know it's an adult book. And per my very graphic description, um, and uh, you know, you might uh, want to be over eighteen to read it, but it is awesome. I have a pretty light pull. I don't know about you guys, but I'm very curious. Is there something, Shane? You go first that you're looking forward to, especially this coming Wednesday or this weekend? Um, I think uh. I'm excited for Saga just because I enjoy Saga. I know <laughs> you do not feel the same at all. I didn't all. even know you were reading um, Saga. Oh, yeah, man. I talk about it quite Jeez, a bit. Jeez, I thought for some reason you were never reading that book, but I guess you are. Hell, all right. Yeah, we've talked about it before. God, I've just forgotten. <laughs> um, so good. Um, Infinity number five comes out this week, or tomorrow, I should say. Um, and then also, uh, I'm excited for this mostly just from an art standpoint. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy comes out again. It's an Infinity tie-in, but the art is by uh, Frank Avila for this issue. Oh wow! So I'm, I'm interested cool. to see what that'll look like. Yeah, that's that is uh, that that would be the one thing that'd be very interesting. Um, he he's very different from uh, Sarah Pacelli, though. So it's, it's yes. a bit of a change-up, <laughs> um, but. And it's just for the one issue, so I wonder what's happening in this issue, the reason he's drawing. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's done fill-in work for a lot of titles, though. Like, he, he did fill-in work for Batwoman, and it was just like a standard mm-hmm. Killer Croc story. And then he uh, he also did Hawkeye fill-in work that I guess was kind of a big issue since it led to Grills getting killed. But I I don't know. I, I, I Fill me back in and let me know what happens. <laughs> Maybe right. the raccoon dies. That would be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> All right, Harper, what are you looking forward to next week? Uh, I'm with Shane. Saga is always an exciting thing to look forward to. But um, for, a, for a fifth week, I've got some really exciting stuff. Um, I believe the Sandman uh, overture begins this week, which is pretty damn Indeed. exciting. Um, so that, that sounds pretty awesome. Um, I'm interested in the Son of Batman book that's uh, coming out this week, too. And since I've talked about it a million times, uh, Battle of the Atom ends this week. Uh, the the second issue of actually X Men Battle of the Atom comes out, which is the the bookend ending of the event. So I'm I'm 
stoked to see how bad uh, the consequences of that time traveling nonsense fun that it's been. So yeah, yeah, that's. I'll be glad to that it's over. <laughs> honestly, um, only because I. Uh, I would love to like actually read the X Men books, man, but I'm not. I'm not jumping into a crossover. It's not happening. Sure. Uh, it's it's too much of an expense with everything else I already buy. But um, some point, I'm going to check out that amazing X Men book that Jason Aaron's writing. It's just uh, sort of dip my toes in one more time and hope to God it's something I enjoy. Um, okay, so for me, I'm really looking forward to, and I may be looking forward to this from a uh, funny perspective. Because uh, this might be irony speaking here. Uh, I want to try out Damien, son of Batman number one. Um, that's the Andy Kubert book uh, that sort of continues the story. If um, if Damien had lived and went on to become Batman, so I mean his Joker book sucked. Uh, so this could be awful. On the other hand, I don't know, it might have really nice art, and I do at least like Andy Kubert's art quite a bit. So I'm excited about that enough to check it out. I may only check out one issue. I'll report back later. Um, Insofar as anything else being released, you know, I don't know if I'll ever pick it up, but one day I might. But the DC One Million Omnibus is coming out. Mm. And I don't know if you guys remember DC One Million from our high school, middle school, 90s days. But that was one of the uh, better crossovers DC ever had, I think. I love that series. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, far future superheroes from a million years in the future. Uh, it's really cool. Brought us the uh, the Hour Man that I wish we still had. And uh, a lot of really uh, little cool wrinkles and things. I particularly like that one million version of Starman. That was always one of my favorites. Uh, but... Yeah, real exciting thing on that end. And I'm, of course, excited about Sandman Overture, which is the the reason that I'm really dragging myself into the comic shop. Um, but I know there's another issue of Profit coming out. So uh, Brandon Graham's been in the news a little bit for some of his uh, comments uh, related to uh, some stuff he said on Twitter. And I'll just let y'all look that up yourselves if you want to. I'm not going to propagate that. But... I am looking forward to seeing how uh, we continue to ramp up to the end of Profit, which, as I got a chance to break on Twitter, uh, that series will be ending uh, with issue 44, I think. And then it will transition into Profit Earth War, which is like a five-issue miniseries. So that is an exciting thing uh, because it looks like that story will have a definite conclusion. And it will be fun to read that again from the beginning, which I think I desperately need to do because I don't know what the hell's <laughs> going on in that story every time. Same here. No idea. No idea at all. Um, but anyhow, I think we'll wrap it up here. We're, we're so far beyond time that, uh, we got to try and, uh, get this thing done. So guys, thank you so much. Happy Halloween. And, uh, I hope if you get candy, you don't get the candy. That's the shit in the orange wrapper or whatever the hell that is. <laughs> y'all know, y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, anyhow, <laughs> bye guys. See you later.